0: Common Ground, Alternative Activist Empowerment on radio, speaking truth to our and ourselves.
1: Who are you? You don't know? Don't tell me Negro, that's not it.
0: What were you before the white man mean you a Negro? And where were you?
1: And what did you have? What was yours? What language did you speak then?
2: It speaks about what we didn't do. Amen. Then it speaks to us and the possibility for us as a future person. Because ultimately, our people's future resides
3: on what we do outside of the White House. As you honor our forefathers and foremothers, I urge you to honor our living heroes. When you honor the names of Matt Turner, Harriet Tubman, and Malcolm X, I urge you to honor the names of Geronimo Jijaga, Sundiata Akoli, Matulu Shakur, and Mumia Abu Jamal.
1: America's Chickens are coming home!
3: Passes a three-strike law and then wants us to sing "God
4: Bless America." No, no, no! Not "God Bless America." God.
3: And now to Our Common Ground
2: with Janice Graham. Well, good evening and welcome to Our Common Ground. We're so glad to have you with us tonight, another night of translating the black truth in America. I'm Janice Graham, and I'm uh, pleased and honored to be able to navigate and moderate a weekly discussion about the urgent, insistent, persistent issues that face black America. And we're glad to have you on board. Uh, If you want to write it down, our number is 347-838-9852. And coming into the broadcast tonight, we are still the target of a war against people of color, black people, poor people, and we remain disenfranchised in ways that we cannot afford. For those of you who are listening on your smart device, want you to know that we do have an open and very active chat room. You can come to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG and join our chatters. Um, We also encourage you to join us on every platform of social media, Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, Pinterest. We have our websites. And if you follow us, subscribe to us on our Facebook page, you can find us in so many places. We have a community center where you can request to have a chat about a specific issue Seven days a week, 24 hours. We'll do it for you. And we do have a program um, website. We have a blog. And you can find all of that at our Facebook page. And don't forget, during this broadcast, if you have not, please subscribe and follow us on Twitter. It's at Janice OCG hashtag matters. Here at our Common Ground every Saturday night, we intend to transform truth to power, one broadcast at a time. Also, uh, I want a special shout-out to my granddaughter who is listening, who just celebrated last Saturday her 22nd birthday. She was nominated to the National Honor Society for Math and Science. So she will be graduating in May with a B.S. degree in Biological Science or Biology or Biological Science Research or whatever and we will be very proud of her and she will also be wearing the stole of the Honor Society for Undergraduates. Um, for math and science. Congratulations to you, Imani. You have made us proud in so many ways, and thank you. Uh, You're such a great role model for your brothers. Um, So here's what we're going to do at our Common Ground tonight in our first hour. We're going to be in conversation with Dr. Wilmer Leon. He is the nationally Broadcast talk show host of Inside the Issues with Wilmer Leon, which I am a weekly listener. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Sirius XM Radio. He is a doctor of political science whose primary areas of expertise are black politics and public policy. He earned a bachelor's degree in political science from Hampton University, a master's in public administration for Howard from howard university and a phd in political science from howard Um, uh, dr leon is featured as a commentator on cnn a regular contributor to the Grio, the root truth dot org the maynard institute dot com and politics in color dot com he is also an our common ground voice for more than five years He's gonna be with us for a short time, and we wanna to talk to him about lynching about uh celebrities commenting on stuff they don't know anything about <laughs> and uh we will uh he will be with us for about thirty minutes um He's at a family gathering, and I am pulling him out of the family gathering tonight also tonight we are going to be doing a tribute and a listen-and-learn session about Dr. Alfredo Antonio ben Um uh, also known as Dr. Ben. We are proud to call him an ancestor today. He made his transition on Thursday. He was an American writer and historian, and, had, and he is considered to have been one of the nation's most notable Afrocentric scholars. You should know him. You should read his work. You should study him. And so that's where we're going to be and also with your thoughts about what's going on. So we welcome once again to our common ground, Dr. Wilmer Leon. Dr. Leon, it's been too long.
0: Yes, it has.
2: Uh, How are you? Thank you so
0: much i'm I'm doing great. how are you?
2: I'm doing good thank you good
0: I'm good, good and I'm humbled that you I'm humbled that you invited me and thank you so much for the invitation
2: listen I, I there are so many issues uh before us, and one of the things I want to talk to you about uh we haven't talked about the the concept of black lives matter. We have not talked about the um the issue of modern day lynching and the militarization of police brutality and the legalization of police misconduct in our country. And that's what I really wanted to talk to you about and get your thoughts also about this nomination and the character of the nomination of Loretta Lynch. So let's get started. Let's. The first thing I want to talk to you about, you had a fabulous show today. And folks, if you do not, uh, Saturday... I am I am telling you you have got to be at eleven AM on Inside the Issues with Dr. Wilma Leon because he takes you right inside the issues and we have posted uh in our chat room and on our website uh how you can find him at SiriusXM XM Radio. But let's talk about uh this week's you know I hate to get into this week's controversy because if you get into this week's controversy, sometimes you you're not learning much, you're not adding to your trove of information, but I was perplexed, like you and many of your listeners today, about um comments that the entertainer common made. Around race relations in America. Um, For months now, I have been playing their Oscar, uh, he and John Legend's Oscar winning tune from the movie Selma, Glory, because it just gives me chills. I love it. Mm -hmm. But here we are with this man in the spotlight. People are discovering outside of the hip-hop community, discovering common. And he makes some, I wouldn't even call it missteps, ignoramus remarks when given the opportunity to talk about race in America. I'm going to play that because some people in my audience may not have heard it. And then I want to get your take on it, uh, Dr. Leon
1: not a human beings can't look at that and be like he was threatening that man's life he was doing anything that you know that deserved death like so when things are in front of you it's like we gotta face them and that's what I think you know our nation needs our nation can't just be like oh we got a black president hey y'all we love everything is love No, it's like man it's still prejudice is coming from all nationalities you know because at the end of the day we were we were all raised some sometimes in separate ways, mm-hmm. and with that being said, you just don't have an understanding like you could be a black person that was raised in a neighborhood that that was upper economically you know like on a higher end of economics so you you may not understand people black people from from poor neighborhoods, mm-hmm. so understanding is it it's not only a color thing it's like okay. Understanding of people from different backgrounds, and then also forgiveness and acceptance of that. But it got to be put out on the table, and it's like we got to acknowledge. That, you know, America. Sometimes we, we'll like, we act like everything is beautiful. We politically correct. Oh, this is good. But behind closed doors, people still saying different things. Um, and and I don't even fault them for it. You know what I'm saying? Because everybody says something. Yeah. So I don't fault people for that. I think the thing is, like, how do we get past that now? Okay, let's acknowledge that, yeah, uh, shit, I got some problems. I I got issues, you know, that I got to get past, so how do I do it? Let's get past it. Let's put it out on the table. Let's talk about, like, being amongst each other, getting to a healing place. So that's why I believe America is in a good, a good place. And if we allow our youth to, we use that energy, that's going to be even better because they... Young, younger, the younger generations don't look at color as much as you know older generations do. Uh,
3: Wilmer, what is he talking about?
0: Well, I don't know what he's talking about, and, and he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, he, he's, he makes he makes a couple of well, he makes a lot of mistakes, but there are a couple that jump out at me uh, right off the top. First of all. He's confusing racism with prejudice some of some of this babbling that he does he's talking about prejudice, which every human being has prejudice there you know that that you can't um that you can't debate we all prejudge uh based upon either past experience or based upon. Uh, what we've been taught by uh, by our parents or through our cultures, and you know prejudice is natural. But the but the part of the problem is he's also talking about racism, and racism and prejudice are two different things. And because what he fails to appreciate is that race is an artificial construct. Race does not exist. It was created by Europeans once they got to this continent as a way for them to rationalize in their own warped Christian minds. They had to find a way to rationalize subjugating other human beings and brutalizing other human beings. And so the way that they were able to do that was to create this concept called race that then enabled them to establish a hierarchy It's kind of like uh animal farm. All animals on the farm are equal, some are more equal than others. So this, they were able then to create this hierarchy of people to where uh, uh, Africans weren't even considered human. And then later on in the process, it became a labor issue so that because as newly freed slaves, started to join forces with, with, uh, with poor whites, the industrial industrialists had to find a way to prevent that linkage from being made. So again, the concept of race was injected. So those poor whites could say, I may be poor, but at least I ain't no nigger. So, so common is just, is just clueless. Uh, and, and and as he talks about, you know, younger people today don't see things in the in the context of race, uh, there is some truth to that. But racism in America has become so institutionalized that what these younger people perceive or don't perceive isn't nearly as relevant as what the established structure is engaging in subjecting us to. So you know, now the guy has won an Academy Award, now the guy is crossing over, and now the guy uh, uh, wants to hold hands and sing Kumbaya. But he's clueless.
2: He really is clueless. But one of the things that came across for me when I first heard this, and I heard it on Comedy Central with Jon Stewart and then I heard it in interview with Katie Couric and then I heard it in an inter- in the interview that we just heard the excerpts from common is has become pretty much mainstream in acting as well sorry, as and, his, and
0: I didn't hear that last in word, acting and mainstream acting, and... acting or oh, acting we, okay
2: yeah it was in a number of TV series and then he was uh featured um in Selma and he's been in a number of movies yes and 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 I'm thinking to myself especially in the historical characters that he's played in some of these places does he have any real good sense Understanding of his people's history in the places in the characters in which he's playing, because he, you know, he's he's playing in a number of, uh, in in character like historical character features. But the other is, have we failed to help the generation that he's talking about that he considers himself a part of? have we failed in giving good direction to young people in helping them navigate the propaganda machine that's been at them for the last twelve years around what slaves escaped and what slaves didn't escape. <laughs> you know, it's
0: well it's I think I think you you, you asked some incredibly uh relevant questions. Uh you know also one of the things that I forgot to mention in my initial diatribe was that he's, he, there's a narrative that he is contributing to and that is the narrative that somehow solving a problem that we did not create is our responsibility. Absolutely. That that, that if 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 African Americans just reach out the hand of brotherhood as though we haven't always tried to do that since we arrived on these shores in 1619. That somehow, if we just continue to try to get along with white people, that that all of a sudden everything would be okay. And you see, there's this there's this narrative that uh, Dr. Walters writes about, and that so many other people uh, write about in terms of the context. Of of blame of uh of, of 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 blaming the victim, and and putting the responsibility of the plight of black people on black people, and that somehow the reason that we are in the circumstances that we are is because we don't work hard enough, we're not smart enough, we we're not patient enough, all of these things. Instead of understanding that, again. It's the system that's been set up to bring about a certain result, and that system has been very successful. So now, Common is, as you quite clearly articulated, he's interviewing with John Stewart, he's interviewing with Katie Couric, he's interviewing on all of the major networks, and and he is now playing into that narrative that somehow the responsibility of solving a problem that we did not create is our responsibility. Mm -hmm.
2: But it also reflects, um, Wilmer, on the idea that we have generations of black people who really don't understand the fundamental of a white supremacy, white privilege system in which they work. They see themselves Right. outside of that because well, they know, got a degree uh, because they you, got a job because they write because they blog
0: you asked the question about have we uh, ha, ha, have those of us in our generation abdicated our responsibility to those behind us and the answer is yes L- let me give you a very very quick story I was in the sixth grade both of my parents uh, were, were were very well educated both of them by the mid-1940s had master's degrees. My mother had hers from the University of Chicago. My dad had his from Berkeley. Uh, So I grew and my grandfather graduated from Howard in in 1911. Uh, So education in my family was something that people didn't take lightly. So I come home, I'm in sixth grade, I come home with uh, some C's on my report card and my mother goes into orbit And, and I say, well, you know, fees are average. That's okay. My mother takes me upstairs to our little library where her her high school diploma was on the wall, and she says, do you see what that says? It says I graduated from the Negro school. And she slaps me in the back of my head, and she says, do you understand what that means? That means that you have to be four times as smart and work seven times as hard to get half as far because you're black in America. And she slaps me again. And she says, "You've got to understand that average in this household, average in our race, is not acceptable." And she slaps me again. And I said, "Okay, mom, I think I got the message."
3: Mm-hmm. And I
0: went, and I went, I went downstairs, and my father was sitting there reading the paper. And I sit down, and I'm, I'm kind of holding my head. He looks at me, and says, "Well, I guess you had that conversation with your mother, didn't you? I know you don't want to have it with me." And, and the point, and the point being. Uh, you're black in America, and you have mm-hmm. to understand the responsibility of that, and you have to understand what that means and that unfortunately is a message that as i as i as I have taught at Howard and other places, too many of our students don't understand
2: mm-hmm, we are mm-hmm. not communicating
0: that to our kids
2: well you know the thing is they also are lured by the mainstream propaganda machine and feeling in many ways, and it's not just that generation, it also happens in our generation, where you feel in that lure you've got to do something in which to continue your membership of having a voice inside a box that doesn't belong to you.
0: I'll never forget sitting in class with Dr. Ronald Walters, and I asked him one day in class why he did not have a television show, as Armstrong Williams had a television show. And he started laughing, and he said to me, I have been offered more shows than I can even remember, but every time I've gone to sign on the dotted line, and the producers of the show realized that I will not compromise my principles. The offers for the shows have gone away. And then he looked at me and he said, as a student of mine, don't you ever compromise. And I have never forgotten that. Uh
2: huh. And, and we don't have enough voices like Dr. Ron Walter's talking to generation of people to help them understand even the iconic notion of black lives matter
0: absolutely right and 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 you know i have had people say to me that i could be in a much larger venue i could be on much larger programs but i'm too hard to market and what that means is I'm not going to compromise. And, yeah, absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And, and and that goes back to your point. Those are things that were instilled in me by my parents and by other individuals, such as Dr. Walters and Mr. Nobel Dickinson at Hampton, Hampton Institute and my my political science, uh, uh, the chairman of the political science department there when I was there. Uh, those are things that have been instilled in me by. By those that came before me, and back to your question, there aren't enough of us instilling those things into the current generations. Mhm,
2: mhm I mean we have I, I think that one of the the things that I see in this generation's uh writing in their talks in their twitters and their Facebook pages is a notion that their their positioning is only secure if they stay and color within the dotted lines.
0: And a lot of that, I think, has to do with their inability to connect the dots of where they are to from whence they've come
2: mhm absolutely they, absolutely they, they,
0: too many of them and, and that's something that I'm always trying to do with the op eds that I write and and with the shows that I do. I'm always trying to connect the dots as Dr. Ben was so successful in doing because unfortunately, in too many instances, our kids are being taught to think that things happen in a vacuum that somehow. Things just happen. that's why it was so important for me to have the interview with Ms. Claudette Colvin, who, for those that don't know, sat down on the bus in Montgomery nine months before Mrs. Rosa Parks did. Parks. Mm-hmm. we needed to understand that lineage.
2: Exactly. You know, the thing is that... I grew up in a in a race house. My parents, too, were well-educated. And one of the things that, thank God, because I went to all white institutions from high school all the way through business school, thank God they had instilled in me that if I'm not doing something to uplift the race, then I'm not doing anything.
0: <laughs> right. Absolutely right. And, and and that's why that's why when my son was in the 6th grade or in the 5th grade and he came home and you know daddy uh I I I I have to find a poem to recite at the uh school uh um gathering assembly you know okay son let's get some langston Hughes yeah let's, yeah let, you know um, let's start with some langston Hughes and so, you know, at, 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 in in the fifth grade, he's he's reciting uh, "I wear the mask," mm-hmm. and, you know, and and, uh, and and we're talking about what that means. So that I'm trying, and my wife, we're trying to ground him in the literature as early as we possibly can. Mm-hmm, hmm
2: because, you know, I see some of the, the filters and the analysis of black literature, even by this generation of scholars, and wonder if they really understand the context in which the words were written. Um, no, but you're and,
0: absolutely right, and, and, and unfortunately, really too many do not.
2: Because, you know, when you think about your your library, my library, um which got started probably in the early 50s when you think about the body of writing of of bar, bards and 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 scholars during during that period of time they were writing in the context of black struggle i exactly. don't know what we're writing now you know i just um think that as what common did and it it was almost like an apology and he is firmly entrenched in the black lives matter movement and it's troubling that he yes, can't it is. articulate because
0: if, if, because if he's if he's taking that mindset into into the black lives matter movement heaven help us.
2: Yes, absolutely. Because if,
0: if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there.
2: Ab- absolutely. You know, Wilmer, I know you only have a limited amount of time, and I, I did want to talk. We, we don't get a, together enough. This is crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a list like 15 items here, and I know well, I'll, you're I'll not going to have. i
0: hang with you as long as I can.
2: Um, I wanted to ask you about two things uh, that have been in our recent history. One is your take and your analysis of the Department of Justice Ferguson Police Department report. And the other is your take, because when I was listening to President Obama at Selma, I was thinking about the article that you wrote uh, maybe two two years ago about what the – the urgent issues before him in terms of black people for his second term. So l- let's start with the Department of Justice report. What's your analysis of what that did, how it came about, and what it's going to mean?
0: Well, I think the report uh, was was fairly well done, um, uh I, I don't understand how a report like that can be generated but no action by the Department of Justice is taken. Uh mm-hmm. it is good that individuals have resigned their positions from within the police department and with and within some other uh other um offices within the government of Ferguson, but removing the individuals doesn't address the systemic mindset that those individuals subscribe to. So when you have a prosecutor who fails to get an indictment and then you find out that he knowingly put people on the stand who were lying, that he knowingly withheld evidence and information from the jury that would have helped them take their deliberation in another direction and still the justice department does nothing, you know, the, again, the report is good, but as with too many instances within the Obama administration, there's no action taken. There's, there's no one held aco- accountable. And so, um, you know, it, 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 it is what it is.
2: Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm just, you know it's one another one of those government investigations that concludes with a report and the government will do what the government always does and that with with cities and recipients of federal funds they'll go in and negotiate a voluntary compliance agreement which will require oversight and enforcement there will be none and there will be no meat in the agreement requiring the requiring the the police the Ferguson Police Department to do anything other than what they always say they're going to do.
0: Well, and and hence Loretta Lynch um because one of the big issues with Loretta Lynch when she was uh the uh I guess the the uh working for the Department of Justice or working for the state of New York and she would, became known as the creator of the fine print who, uh, you know, she cuts these deals with the banks and um, uh, allows the banks to walk away from their involvement in the, finan- in the creation of the financial crisis uh, unscathed. And so fines are paid, but nobody's held accountable.
2: Dr. Le- Dr. are you yes. there. Yes. yes. Uh, I was disconnected for some reason. I got disconnected. The my call dropped. Um,
0: okay, well what what I was what I was saying was that uh to to your point about uh it's just another government report that winds up with no action being taken, that is basically where we are with uh our attorney general nominee Loretta Lynch. Um, yes. while while she was in New York uh you know she she was known as the creator of the fine print and so she she negotiates these deals with um with the, with a lot of the banks that were involved in the uh financial crisis and nobody somehow nobody winds up being held accountable nobody goes to jail some fines are paid and then it winds up being business as usual
2: yes now speaking of Loretta Lynch um uh, What's your take on Rudy Giuliani supporting her nomination?
0: Well, that right there tells you that there's something wrong with it. Yeah. If, if Rudy Giuliani <laughs> if, if 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 Rudy Giuliani um finds that she is acceptable, then 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 you should be subject. We ought
2: to be worried.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
2: There was a wonderful absolutely. article that I read last night at Black Agenda Report that talks about why she is uh, supported by most of the mostly conservative law enforcement and legal community uh, and what she has and has not done and a new kind of – the article talks about another – uh, explanation for some of the things that they have been touting her with, and that she is going to be much more conservative than Eric Holder, if not Eric Holder, and it—the innuendo is that she is Condoleezza Rice in the yes. Justice Department.
0: Yes, yes, and and I think I think that there is an awful lot of validity uh to that uh, to that analysis.
2: Mhm. And you know, I knew her when she was at Harvard. Okay. Um, I'm I'm getting way too old. <laughs> 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 she is she is a Soror and I knew her in that uh relationship and you get worried about people um Just the adding on of people who see the world, who see the black world, in such vanilla flavors, in a vanilla-like flavor. As
0: as a a community, uh, at some point, I hope that we're able to move beyond the politics of pigments and really start to deal with the politics of policy. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. there are a, there are a lot of us in the community that are supporting her because she's an African American woman. You know that's how we got Clarence Thomas. Not that he's an African American woman, but you know there were a lot in the community that were saying, "Well, we got to give the brother a break." Well, mm-hmm. no, no, we don't. Um, uh, we we need to really start paying attention. To what these people are really all about, and to and 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 who whose interests these individuals are truly serving, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. and 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 it ain't us, mm-hmm.
2: you know. And 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 to think that Lonnie Guineer and others were such a um, option, a, a much better option in terms of the kinds of criticisms that Eric Holder has had as a United States Attorney General, and to have this president who have ignored even his own classmates, um, you know, and I think about Sophia Elijah, who's doing such wonderful work in the prison system in New York City. In New York mm-hmm. State, there are just so many options that this president could have chosen about so many things over the last eight years that he hasn't. But you,
0: but you have to look at who he, who he has surrounded himself with. You know, Absolutely. one of the things one of the things that I have that I have really uh, really looked at in you know, you're the first African-American president, and your kitchen cabinet doesn't include Willie Brown. It doesn't include or it did not include Dr. Ron Walters. Uh didn't include Doug Wilder. You know, you, you talk about three of the – it didn't include Lonnie Guineer. You're talking about four of the – brightest minds not to mention african-american minds if if anybody could have helped president obama navigate the treacherous waters of john boehner and mitch mcconnell it would have been willie brown brown it would, absolutely. Have, it, it would have been Doug wilder it would have been lonnie Guineer from a legal side but you know look at who he has surrounded himself with and look at who he has avoided and why he has avoided them.
2: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the he has even me. he has even avoided Elizabeth Warren. Right. <laughs> I and, mean, and, and
0: look at look at look at his electoral base. Look yes. at the the progressive body, political body, politics that put him in office and how he has ignored his base
2: exactly exactly we're going to be uh adding that for those of you who are listening we're going to be adding that article it's on our facebook page at our common ground with janice graham but we're going to be adding it to the event reference material for this particular for this particular program I know you have to go, and I want you to go back to your family. But I, I want to ask you: uh, Would you please comment about who are these people that are going to buy this man a sixty-five million-dollar jet, this Krefeld oh, dollar oh. scum
0: You know, <laughs> bag. <laughs> um, it, you know, it, it's 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 a. Um... Uh, Where where, where do I start with this? Um, Well, the the whole idea of the prosperity ministry is a fraud. The only people who prosper are the ministers. And so for Creflo Dollar to ask his congregation to, 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 to fork over $65 million for a jet you know, it's one thing if he was trying to buy a bank instead of trying to rob one. Uh it's one thing if he were trying to start a credit union or because his because his community is underbanked. Or if he was trying to buy a hospital. Uh but no. He's just he's just trying to one up uh um uh Fred Price or 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 um um T D Jakes. And And that's really all, all this is about uh and And you know, people really need to start to understand the difference between the Jesus of faith and the Jesus of history, because the Jesus of history was a revolutionary and and so if if your theology isn't tied to the liberation of your people, then the question has to be, what is it that you're preaching?
3: And, yes, and, and yes. See, a,
0: a, a big part, and that's why I, I strongly suggest people get uh, the book by Doctor Aubrey Hendricks, uh, "The Politics of Jesus," because he deals with with that with that very issue. Uh, and, and let me I'll say this in closing about that issue: is is that what 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 Creflo Dollar is playing into is this shift in the mindset that has happened where it takes it takes us away from the understanding of the benefit of the collective and it focuses on the benefit of the individual. So Absolutely. people can people can go to his church and they are personally successful. But how does that personal success translate into the success of the collective? When when you read Frederick Douglass, when you read James Baldwin, when you read a uh, Fannie Lou Hamer or or uh, uh, Du Bois, the souls of black folk. They he was writing about the collective. He was Frederick Douglass always talked about moving us forward as a people. But unfortunately, based upon some of the limited success of the civil rights movement, and some of us as individuals have become more successful. We now no longer pay that much attention to the fact that the average uh, wealth of a white family is about $160,000, whereas the average wealth of a a black family is less than 10.
2: Absolutely. Well, you know, um, Wilma, I think that one of the things, too, is that we have to begin to understand that it strikes at the very heart of of actually destroying a faith struggle in our community.
0: What did Dr. King do with the money that he received from his Nobel Prize? Did he go buy a jet? Did he go buy a car? Did he even buy a house for his family? No. He donated his proceeds back into the movement, back into the struggle.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: Crespo Uh, Dollar wants a jet, and Jesus didn't have a donkey. <laughs> Which and was the, people, the jet of his day?
2: I was, I was simply going mad. I was going stop the madness, as people called <laughs> it, and told oh, you. listening that. to that
0: conversation there on my show. <laughs>
2: it, yes, <laughs> yes. How,
0: how, how? So, so, so many. So, fortunately, there were, there were, there were a lot more people who were taking issue with Creflo Dollar. But, you know, for example, you heard the guy who called in, and and, and I mentioned how Creflo Dollar was, was supporting uh, 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 Eddie Long, who had been accused of um, pedophilia. pedophilia. And this one guy says, well, those are just minor issues. I don't know why you're focused on that I had to hang up on him. When you want to tell yeah, me I, that pedophilia heard... is a minor issue, then... You got to go someplace where I can't where I, I can't help you.
2: We've been talking with Dr. Wilmer Leon, the nationally broadcast talk show host of Inside the Issues with Wilmer Leon. You must catch him on Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on Sirius XM Radio. Even those people who borrow my XM Sirius subscription sometimes you know who you are. <laughs>
0: Well you've Janet, got to thank, come back. Anytime. Thank you so much. I truly appreciate it. And uh hopefully within the next week or two I can get you on with me. Thank
2: you. And I would I would really in in enjoy doing that because I'm ready well, we'll to start talking about some of the stripes on my
0: back. Then we'll we'll make that <laughs> we'll make that happen within the next two weeks. Thank you.
2: Okay. Thank you and enjoy your family gathering and we'll Will talk do. soon. Bye-bye.
3: All right. Good night.
2: We really appreciate Dr. Wilmer Leon stopping by to talk to us about some of these pressing issues that are before us. And absolutely, Brother bat, brother Brock. And we are just simply drinking the Kool-Aid on some of this. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about Dr. Ben. A tribute to Dr. Ben who made his transition on Thursday, Uh, and uh, you need to know exactly um, what he meant. This is Our Common Ground, and we'll be right back.
5: in
3: America
4: 2,000 years before the Jewish story of Cain and Abel and we are told that an African from Egypt by the name of Moses born in the city of Goshen that's still Egypt Egypt is in Africa by the way the last time I saw it in January you heard of a place called Middle East I don't know of any place called Middle East that's political jingoism but we can find that there was no Moses on Mount Herod in the Sinai to receive any Ten Commandments that had not been given before or written before in Egypt because you could go in the book of the coming forth by day and by night, the book of the dead, and see in what is called the Osirian drama, not only those ten, but 32 more, a total of 42, which you can also go in the Temple of uh, in the temple of the Sixth in the Valley of the Kings, across what is today called Luxor, And in that tomb, you would see the 42 listed commandments, or otherwise negative confession, 2,000 years before the birth
3: of Moses.
0: And now it's winter.
3: You're listening to Our Common Ground with Janice Graham.
1: Yeah,
2: it has been all over this is Truthworks Network, the Black Voice Collaborative, where the truth is spoken more than once. Thank you so much for your support and joining us tonight.
3: Because our society is only as strong as all its individuals, the United Negro College Fund has helped educate thousands of doctors and researchers, but we need more. Thousands of architects and engineers, but we need more. Thousands of teachers and biologists, but we need more. And when disease, injustice, pollution, poverty, and countless other problems threaten to pull us apart, we had better educate every single person has the potential to solve our problems. And to educate more people, we need more of your help. Give to the United Negro College Fund. With so much at stake, a mind is a terrible thing to waste.
2: I Declare Show is where we deal with the difficult, real raw, right now. If it's real raw right now, talk media.
0: Come on, baby, say it with me.
2: It can only be the I Declare Show. Talk
3: soon.
2: My friend and colleague on Blog Talk Radio, every Tuesday night at 9 p.m., the I Declare Show with India Declare. Are you breathing oxygen in? Are you raising the energy up? Or are you bringing the energy down? There's no middle ground. It's your real, raw, and right now talk radio. I declare show Tuesdays, 9 p.m. Blog Talk Radio. I declare it. Dealing with the difficult, real, raw right now. The I declare show, baby. Really? Down. Just damn. When injustice becomes law, resistance becomes duty.
5: Alpha, hosting the best of Pushback Talk Radio.
1: The
2: Alpha Show, only at TruthWorks Network. Fridays, 10 p.m. Listening to our common ground, transforming truth to power, one broadcast at a time. I'm Janice Graham, and I'll be listening for you. Right after this break, we'll take your calls at Our Common Ground. And we thank you so much for being with us here tonight at Our Common Ground. Little Nancy Wilson there and little Miles Davis going out for Brother Wilma Leon because you know how he does his jazz, and I always have some for him. Thank you for being with us. We're so pleased that uh, you are with us tonight. Great conversation um, with Dr. Leon, just some down-home political science, you know, that sometimes you have to just take it basic, and that's what he does every Saturday, and we're so pleased, and you know... Time really flies when you're doing these programs. Um, I come off the air on Saturday, on Sunday morning, and I'm starting to think about what do I need to do in 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 the context of what is going on in our country and around the globe within the diaspora. Um, and so I'm thinking about it, and so time really, really flies. It's it's been almost. Um, a year and a half since uh, Dr. Leon was with us, and we're certainly going to get him back for uh, the two hours. I was glad that he mentioned um, Dr. Obray Hendrick's book, The Politics of Jesus. You must read that book, The Politics of Jesus. Um, It is a a just... um, looking at for those of you who are Christians especially looking at the issue of how Christianity and the nature of Jesus has been corrupted um especially in this country and on the motherland so we we really recommend uh that book and I I am uh, I know Dr um Hendricks and um and I am definitely going to see if we can't get him here. There's some housekeeping notes that you need to know about. And for those of you who are listening on your smart device and you want to um, – are listening on your computer and you want to switch over to your smart device, three four seven eight three eight nine eight five two. We have some seats in the house on our board if you'd like to join us. And for those of you who'd like to join the many chatters that we have in our chat room tonight, you can come to blogtalkradio.com backslash OCG. Also, for those of you who are interested in what we do here and you'd like to recommend uh, guests, topics, events, issues – you certainly can email us at ocginfo at ground dot com. We're trying to get together our our web presence. We are all over the place. And Michelle Odom I see is in our our chat room. She is our program administrator. Girl, we have got to get all this stuff. I am running to too many websites back and forth and back and forth. We've got website here and website there. The community center is over here. The program scheduling is over here. We've got Facebook. We've got Twitter. We've got Scoop It. We've got uh, Scribbling Race on Common Ground, which is our weekly uh, newsletter. And then we've got Omnibus, which is our weekly magazine of news stories. And we're about to do something else, and we've got to try to bring it all together. But for those of you who want to go to our major website, it is ourcommongroundtalk.wordpress.com dot wordpress dot com. Because we haven't uh, we moved from ourcommonground.com dot com, and we we haven't moved the no domain yet because that takes up a whole bunch of stuff. But um, we're just uh, really glad. But if you want to be advised as to the reference materials that you need to be able to listen to our guests, to be able to listen to the topics, to the discussion, you need to subscribe to our Facebook page because we publish an event every week. And inside that event are articles, YouTube, a video. Everything that you need to know to get ready to talk about whatever the topic is, so because um, 'cause we're really like a ratskeller, you know the ratskeller they used to have these basement uh clubs in the in the in the sixties and seventies. You went there to listen to soft music and to talk not to dance, not to do any of those any other other things. To talk. Just to talk about the issues of the day. That was maybe maybe it's not called a Rascal, maybe it's called just called the the basement. Uh I'm really excited about the technology available to us and as a one person show it's really hard because we try to make this program so that it is not a telephone conversation with you. That it is truly what radio is all about. And you heard some of our promos, we, we encourage you to join India Declare at the I Declare show on Tuesday nights at nine PM here at Block Talk Radio. We also want you to know if you're new to us that we have another channel it's called TruthWorks Network. It is the Black Voice Collaborative. On Monday nights we feature the Chauncey Vegas show. On Friday nights we have advanced urban progressive political talk, the Alpha show with Alpha. He serves hot grits with his politics. So that's at 10 p.m. on Friday night because that's what we do on Friday night. And then we flip over here on Saturday. Some housekeeping notes in May. I will not be here, but we will have live programming hosted by Alpho, Chauncey De Vega, our friend Ruby Sales, and our friend Norman Goldman of the Norman Goldman Show, and some others that I didn't get a chance to call and say in May I'm going to be doing a number of things that will take me away on a Saturday night where I'm comfortable. I don't like to do live shows uh, when I'm traveling because, um, you see, I got knocked off. Somebody disconnected me. Somebody's going to get fired around here. I don't know if Alpha disconnected me or 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 whoever. Engineers around here are going to find that they're not going to have a job very long. So I'll be away for May, but we are taking care of you. In the second hour, it's at the top of the hour, we are looking at remembering Dr. Ben. He was born on December 31st, 1918 and he made his transition on March 19th, 2015. He was born in Ethiopia to a Puerto Rican mother and an Ethiopian father. <coughs> he was educated in, excuse me, in Puerto Rico, Brazil, Cuba, and Spain, earning degrees in engineering and anthropology. He was criticized for allegedly distorting history and promoting black supremacy. In, nine, in February 1993, Wellesley College, my uh, alma mater, European Classics professor Mary Lepkowitz publicly confronted Dr. Ben about his teaching, um, and. There was a real uprising because Dr. Ben taught that there were black Jews. Of his many works, Black Man of the Nile and His Family, Africa, Mother of Western Civilization, The Myth of Exodus and Genesis, and the Exclusion of Their African Origin. You should study for yourself, and my favorite, cultural genocide in the Black and African Studies curriculum. You should study for yourself who this man was. In my estimation, he was one of the world's most preeminent and prolific scholars of African history. He turned 97 on New Year's Eve. He was one of the last great race men of our era. For those in the New York tri-state area in the 1960s and 1980s, he was a familiar presence. During his immense and bigger-than-life life, life, Dr. Ben journeyed from his birth in Ethiopia to Puerto Rico, where he was... um, Studying as a young person, he earned his B.S. degree in civil engineering at the University of Puerto Rico, his master's degree in architectural engineering from the University of Havana, Cuba, and then doctoral degrees in cultural anthropology and Moorish history from the University of Havana and the University of Barcelona. In 2002, Dr. Ben, who lived in Harlem in his later years, donated to the Nation of Islam his personal library of more than 35,000 volumes, manuscripts, and ancient scrolls. For all our greats, Dr. Ben physically took ten thousands of scholars, activists, students, and associations to the Nile Valley to make the the pages of his books more authentic. We saw in him our own experience of what he wrote. For that, the black world is indebted to this black man of the Nile and his family, wrote Reggie Marbury. Tonight at Our Common Ground, we remember... Dr. Ben, we also honor him as a most beloved, most loved, empowering ancestor. We've got about uh, 42 minutes of tribute to him. I see that we have Someone on the board who wants to comment. And I'm going to take this call at 347 838 9852 before we go into the tribute. 610, you're on the air. I respect you. Thank you for your call. 610,
5: hello. Hello, Brother Brock, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Hello.
2: Brother Bach, how are you? I've only got a few minutes because I'm really squeezed for time to do this uh excerpt.
5: Gotcha. Uh, um, yeah, uh, will, understood and I'll just be brief. Just wanted to quickly chime in on the part about the uh Mr. Hendrix uh Professor Hendrix and the uh the, the biblical interpretation of the of the uh the Bible and of the, the book that you yes. mentioned, Politics yes. of Jesus. Uh, yes. since, since I, I have always been torn because obviously I follow my my parents and their parents, and we've all gone to church all our lives. So each and every day I would go, I felt being torn. So I finally did a sojourn trip to the motherland, and that is where me and a few of my family members that went with me saw, found, read, understood that history actually did start before the Bible Interpretate that it started, as far as when we, you know, Christianity. Um, so so, so now I'm also learning that some of the same stories that are in the Bible were on the uh, hieroglyphics, written on the walls, etched in stone,
3: thousands, mm-hmm. thousands, mm-hmm.
5: thousand years before this book that I've been reading. So I'm still torn, So I'm going to make it brief. I'm not getting deep into it, but I would love to try to make room to read this book because I know for a fact I've been torn all my life, sitting in those pews, listening and learning one thing, and then knowing deep, deep in my heart of hearts that something else actually may have taken place. And then when I witnessed it for myself going to Egypt, that's when I realized, look, somehow or another, i got to be respectful with my parents and my family, but also at the same time be just as respectful to my roots. So I'm trying to do the give and take, the yin and the yang, of not condemning one, but just adding to it and saying, look, there's way more to this Bible than meets the eye.
2: And uh, in, in addition to um, the book that we've referenced tonight, and Dr. Wilma Leon talked about the politics of Jesus by Dr. Uh, Professor Aubrey Hicks, Hendrix. Hendricks, um, listen to this tribute. Okay, and begin to think about studying the work of Doctor Ben Yosef Ben Joachim. And, gotcha. Oh, here we go.
1: Thank you, Doctor Bob.
2: Thank, thank you, Doctor Brother Brock. <laughs> uh,
5: not quite. Not quite. <laughs> Enjoy.
2: Do you want me to put you on mute, or do you want to? Uh, I'll, hang... I'll
5: bring it. Back, I'll bring it back up on the computer since the computer's running today.
2: Okay. Brother brought from Philadelphia, PA. Our tribute to our beloved ancestor, Dr. Ben.
4: I would like to first express my appreciation for your invitation. It took me 50 years to get to Tuskegee. Uh, 50 years ago, at age 16, I applied for entrance to Tuskegee. My application was accepted, but the immigration laws of the United States of America were such, and I don't think they have changed much, that I couldn't get here. I remembered that such had happened to a man before me by the name of Marcus Messiah Garvey. He was invited by Booker T. Washington. I don't know if you know about him. I heard you don't have a Booker T. Washington Day. Unusual. But anyhow, probably better thoughts may come about and there will be a Booker T. Washington Day at Tuskegee. But anyhow, Marcus Bogusia Garvey was invited by Booker T. Washington to come to the United States. The facts are that red tapes in the immigration department, Garvey arrived six months subsequent to the death of the great Booker T. Washington. So, taking 50 years to get here, nevertheless I got here. I do not know if I would have taken the course of action in my life that I have now taken, however, I was lucky enough to uh, slip through an engineering course and graduate and a few more courses and here I am. Within the context of my education, if you could call it that, I would prefer to call it the course of my indoctrination, my training, which started in Ethiopia, East Africa, and continued in Brazil, Cuba, Puerto Rico, the United States, Virgin Islands, England, and Spain. Been around a few places. And in all of these places that I've been, I never once received an education in the history of African people. Yet I thought that I've educated myself down through those period of time. And it is because of that self-education in those things which meant most to me as an African person that I decided at no time would I stand still in these halls of indoctrination and not rebel with the necessary documentation of the lies that are being taught in these halls. And so I may be saying things that may hurt many of you, if not most of you, because some of the lies have become your dear frame of reference. We could start with the Greeks. I hope you of fraternities and sororities don't get too bothered about it, since the Greeks weren't too much anyhow. But we can start with that, because there is where our institutions of learning have decided to start civilization. Yet the Greeks are only here from at least 1,000 before the common era, or before the Christian era, as you would prefer to say. Let us just, for example, cite one. And that particular person would be Hippocrates. And I'm sure that you heard of Hippocrates. And when you consider that Hippocrates wasn't born until 333 BC, or before the common era, Yet in your education you were told that Hippocrates is the father of medicine. That's a lie. There's no way that I can say about it other than it's a lie. A lie is a lie, whether it's in the university or in the church. How could Hippocrates be the father of medicine when the first time you see him he is in Egypt learning medicine from Africans? There are numerous papyri, medical papyri on medicine. The nearest to Hippocrates is at least 1,300 years before he was born. For example, we have what is known as the, as the uh, Hetos Papyrus, the Ebers Papyrus. And now the so-called Rockefeller Papyrus, the Edwin C. Smith Papyrus, all of these papyri go back to as early as 3100 B.C. the man who hippocrates took an oath that he would practice medicine according to this man this african whom the greeks call esculapius in the hippocratic oath a man by the name of imhotep died he practiced medicine and died 2500 years before the birth of Hippocrates, and you are telling me that the medical school and the pre medical historians don't know this, they don't know it because unfortunately Imhotep had a high visibility like myself, otherwise called black. They don't know that the Ebers Papyrus. By Hatshepsut, dealing with Planned Parenthood, I said Planned Parenthood, 1550 years before the birth of Jesus the Christ, is out there when every medical journal in 1961 published copies of the. Ebers, papyrus. And we could go on with the papyri with respect to all kinds of diseases that the Africans had produced, both in Egypt and Ethiopia and Sudan and a place then called Puanit, now called Somalia. But that would be satisfactory, but let us take the kind of education that we do have. We are in a chapel. And we have been told about an immaculate conception and virgin birth. We have been told about the beginning of the world with Adam and Eve. We have been told about a man by the name of Cain who slew his brother Abel. And we have been told that all of these things only happen once. And they go back to the Old Testament, or otherwise called the Torah, or the uh, Pentateuch, or the Kumesh. Those are names for what you call the Old Testament. But we have never been told that they are only copies of stories that predated them by thousands of years. Let's just them one by one. I heard some hmms and everything already. <laughs> oh yes, you have been told a lot of lies. No other way to talk about it. And those who teach them, if in fact they did any research, must know they are lies. That is providing that you, they have never gone to Egypt or to Ethiopia or to Sudan to see the living proof. The writings on the, in on the tombs, the writings in the, in the pyramid, the, what is called the pyramid text and the coffin text. That is providing that they have not seen the holy scriptures of the Africans of the Nile Valley, otherwise called the Egyptian book of the dead, or as Vodge calls it in his translation of the Hieratic writing, or the Egyptian book of the coming forth by day and by night. In the temple of Setaiwan, for example, at a place called Abydos, not only is there the writings of an immaculate conception 4,000 years before the story of Mary, but it is there in picture form. Are we to say that the theologians of Judaism, Christianity and Islam have never once taken a trip to Egypt from whence these things were taken in that same temple you see a story of how Setipan murdered his brother Osiris 2,000 years before the Jewish story of Cain and Abel and we are told That an African from Egypt by the name of Moses, born in the city of Goshen. That's still Egypt. Egypt is in Africa, by the way, the last time I saw it in January. You heard of a place called Middle East? I don't know of any place called Middle East. That's political jingoism. But we can find that there was no Moses on Mount Herod in the Sinai to receive any Ten Commandments that had not been given before or written before in Egypt because you could go in the book of the coming forth by day and by night, the book of the dead, and see in what is called the Osirian drama, not only those ten, but 32 more, a total of 42, which you can also go in the temple of of Rameses the Sixth, in the Valley of the Kings, across what is today called Luxor, And in that tomb, you would see the 42 listed commandments or otherwise negative confession, 2,000 years before the birth of Moses. But they told you that Moses was taught. He was an Egyptian, taught in school in Egypt, and became a priest in the system. Could you have been born in the United States of America, went to kindergarten, then uh, elementary school, junior high school, high school, and never heard of the United States Constitution? It was equally impossible for Moses to have gone to, born in Egypt, go to school in Egypt, study on an Egyptian system, worship God, Amin Ra, and never once heard of the 42 negative confession, which have in it thou shalt not kill uh, I mean I have not killed man nor woman I have not made like thy bushel I have not this Moses himself is charged with with murder his brother Aaron is charged with theft 40 years before they reached Mount Sinai then somebody had a law against theft and against murder before he reached Mount Sinai where did they get it? but you won't taught anything about this all of this information has been suppressed at a place called the Council of Jamia and the Council of Nicene in 325 AD when Constantine the Roman Emperor conquered North Africa, took over the role of the Christian Church which started in Alexandria with Pantheus and Balthus, not in Rome. But this too you have not been taught. You have not been taught that the two, the three people who died first in the name of Jesus the Christ were three African women. Felicita, Nymphano, and Perpetua. Yet you know everything, you're born again. You know it all. You can't be blamed for it. You Even your teachers may not be able to be blamed for this because one can't teach what one doesn't know, or one has not learned, or one has not experienced, because there is no interest for people to go to Egypt to see anything but to go to the Holy Land. And that's why Jesse is tied and had to get on his knees and pray and beg forgiveness. He was scared he wouldn't be able to get back in the Holy Land for saying what was right. But there's more than that. Because you have been told that unless Europeans teach you, you haven't been taught. But who told you that the first university built in all of Europe was built built by Africans called Moors? At the university, what is called the University of Salamanca in Spain. Check it out. Europe's first university. Not only the stones were put together like the stones in most of the building and the bricks in most of the building here. I'm not talking about that aspect of only the building. I'm talking about the educational system is nothing but a copy of the University of Genet, D-J-E-N-N-E of ancient Ghana which was burnt down and rebuilt at the University of Sankore in the city of Tumbat, which the French later called Timbuktu. Then carried, as the Africans called Moors, conquered Iberia, now Spain and Portugal, and southern France, and established in there the university system. And as I said before, it was not the first. The earliest of the Greeks were trained in a place called the the subordinate lodge of Croton and Delphi. Subordinate lodges of the Grand Lodge in a place called Waset, which the Greeks later changed to Thebes or Thebes. The current Arabs changed it to Luxor. But did you get that in Greek philosophy? Did you get it in Greek history or European history? None whatsoever. And how did you get Hannibal, Hannibal Barca and his father, Hasdrubal Barca, and his brother, and his father, his brother Hasdrubal? How did you receive it in the educational system? How did the textbook show it? It showed it as they were not Africans. What they said is some Phoenicians came from Phoenicia and Carthage, which they later called Carthage, was in fact a Phoenician country. Eighty people came from Phoenicia with a woman named Elisa, which Virgil called Dido or Dido in his little play about it. And those 80 changed all the Africans into Phoenicians. And thus we are taught that the Africans of Carthaginis were in fact Caucasians. It's all right when they taught me in in school in Puerto Rico, I didn't know any difference. I was born in Ethiopia, grew up in Puerto Rico. And the Virgin Islands, Cuba, and Brazil, so when they were teaching me that at the University of Puerto Rico, I knew no no difference, and so it went down all right. but I accidentally went to Morocco accidentally and find that what I had been taught in school was nothing but a pack of lies, because I then went into the temple, I then went into the museum and found that it was totally different, but then I went on to Italy in the Medici Museum, the Museum of Alessandro de Medici, only to find that Alessandro was an African born in Italy. And no one had told me up to then that there were Roman emperors from Africa, such as Honorius and Septimus Severus and his son Caracalla. No one had took time, had taken time to explain to me anything about the Greeks coming to Egypt and to Nubia. And to Ethiopia, depending on who they were, to receive their earliest education, those who had not gone to a little colony, a little enclave, in what was then called Lebos, now called Libya, to receive their first glimpse into education taught by Africans. Well, having gone the route of civil engineering and a bachelor's and then uh, master's in architectural engineering, you would think that I should be satisfied at that point. But I couldn't be satisfied because the fire had burnt. You see, I had, I was the admirer of two particular people at that time. One called Booker T. Washington, one called Marcus Garvey. In the reverse, Garvey first and then Washington. Garvey because in my household Garvey was the word next to the deity and the relationship between Garvey and Booker T had become so close that I too followed the teachings and philosophical concept of the late honorable Booker T. Washington but within that philosophy was something else both men always taught The integrity of the individual, and the integrity of the individual refused, in my case, to accept lies, such as Benny Goodman is the King of Swing, and Duke Ellington must have been the Emperor of Swing. Chick Webb, having taught Jean Cooper, I was told that Gene Krupa is the best on the drum. But he went to Chick Webb to get the be the best on the drum. I don't know if you know Chick Webb, you know her, Ella Fitzgerald. As Chick taught her. I just throw that in to show you that the lie doesn't stop in ancient time; It continues up to today as truth. And so in my further examination I was dealing with 3.14, all of you here in engineering knows what it's supposed to symbolize. They say it's 5. And I was taught that it came from the Greeks. And you know I believed it. What else could I do? The teacher told me. And then when I went to Ethiopia and to Egypt and to Nubia, in the ancient records of the ancient Africans of the Nile, the Nile Valley Africans, there was being used 2,000 years before there was such a place as Greece. The first writer of Greece that brought Greece into civilization because they said the demarcation between uncivilized and civilized has to do with the time when you start writing. History, they call it. Prehistoric and historic. And Homer is the Greek first writer. And Homer said that even the concept of God, Zeus and Apollo came from Ethiopia. So when you get in the Greek fraternities and sororities, just remember what Homer said. You must have dealt You must have dealt with the Iliad and the the Odyssey by now. But again, I understand. You see, you have been taught by Alex Haley and others that your history started in the slave trade. But they don't even tell you how the slave trade started. They blame you for enslaving yourself. They say your ancestors sold you up. Nice statement. So I asked the guy, what country, what was the name of the king? Oh, don't worry about that they sold you out. As if I don't know, that the slave trade started with the Pope of the Roman Catholic Church by the name of Martin V. And Reverend Bartholomew de Las Casas on the island of Hispaniola, now called Haiti and St. Domingo. You see, you weren't made, you weren't, nobody told you it's time to get sorry to feel bad when some Haitians were being slaughtered on the coast of Florida. That's what it is. If you send a people back to sea, on the condition where they were, that's genocide. But you see, you didn't feel anything because you weren't taught to realize that the Haitians are your brothers and sisters because you don't know that the first Africans to be brought in slavery was not taken from Africa, but from Spain and carried to Haiti, then called Hispaniola in 1506, under the aegis of the Pope of the Roman Church, and Bartolomé de las Casas. But how did you get in Spain? That was 1506. But you went into Spain, which was then called Iberia, Spain and, and, and Portugal and southern France, as conquerors yourself in 711, under the leadership of Tariq, for whom the wreck of Gibraltar is now named Gibraltariq. Nothing in your education, because there's nothing in your textbooks about any of this. So you'll have to go to Spain. Luckily, at the University of of, uh, Barcelona, where I attended for two years, there are these documents and I had never known anything about them. I hadn't known that the Africans called Moors had ruled Spain from 711 until 1485. The last of them losing power at a place called Granada. I was always wondering why is it that 90% of all the songs coming out of Spain were singing to La Morena, the black woman. So how come in this country 90% of all the songs, the records, the tapes, everything is La Morena this and La Morena that? It is when I went there I found out La Morena raised hell in Spain. She's still raising hell in Montgomery, Alabama and in Tuskegee, Alabama and in Tuskegee Institute. I could look around and see her. Of course, the first one of you threw a good baseball and a good basketball, forget that she could raise hell. You don't want her for a wife anymore. You hit the numbers, you don't want her for a wife. Some of you forget you look like your mama sorry for those. try one and it may be good for your health but we must go back and ask ourselves why is this so and i said to the students today at the high school even the paper you write on shows your heritage and your history it was in egypt Ethiopian Sudan, that the first papyrus paper was created, not rice paper in China, just as it was in Egypt that engineering, Sesostris II, you are engineers many of you, Sesostris II, Changed the flow of the Nile. That estern you see there was placed there by African engineers in 2250 B.C. There was no Jesus yet. No Adam and Eve story yet. Because that came out of the Sanhedrin in 700 B.C. Just yesterday. When the African engineers was changing the flow of the Nile hydrographic engineering, there was no Adam, no Eve yet. No Jehovah. Because Mo- Abraham, the first Jew, that brought out the concept of a Jehovah, wasn't even born. The Africans had already worshipped Ptah, P-T-A-H. Amen-Ra. You still say Amen at the end of each prayer, And they told you it means so be it. That's a lie. Ammon was the god of the north. When Scorpio, the pharaoh, headed the north and Egypt was divided into two groups, it had gone into a, a civil war. And Ra, I'm sorry, Mena, Onama was the king of the south. And his god was Ra. The conquest of Mena over Scorpion. Allow Mena to join God Amen with God Ra and call Amen Ra thousands of years before there was a Jehovah Jesus, O Allah. Muhammad ibn Abdullah wasn't born until 570 of the Christian era. Pantheus and Voltius, that started Christianity, wasn't born until 50 AD. According to the story. And Abraham, who started the concept of a God named Jehovah and Adam and Eve's story, wasn't born until 1760 BC. The Africans of Egypt and Ethiopia and Nubia were already in their 13th dynastic period. No different than the lie they told us that the Jews built the pyramids. Which one? The little one in their bathtub? There are 72 pyramids throughout Egypt. The first one was designed, engineered, and built by the multi genius, first one known in the world, Imhotep. That was the third dynasty. The last one was the sixth dynasty, and the first Jew wasn't born until the thirteenth dynasty. You can't build a pyramid before you're born. But the myth and the lie continues. Now they're even making people from outer space build the pyramids from the top down. Those of you here are engineering knows how to build it from the top down they took the first stone with some skyhook and connected to the cloud passing by. I'm not supposed to speak about these things. Oh, I'm supposed to be glad somebody gave me a piece of goat skin with a thing on it that said
3: PhD.
2: Twice.
4: And I'm supposed to be so good. I got one of these goat skin. PhD, all in Latin. Feel good, ain't it? Different person. My mother isn't my mother anymore. My father isn't my father anymore. Black folks are not related to me anymore. I'm Greek, Dutch, Japanese, uh, whatever else. Rainbow. I am Rainbow Coalition now. I don't talk to my cousin anymore. They can't sit at my table at the college anymore because I'm Abba Dabba Labba Labba fraternity. the things we go through. <laughs> All to keep up on the Pan-African concept. You know, when I heard that in, I think it was Selma, Alabama, Montgomery, that six little black girls were blown up.
3: <laughs>
4: I heard you vote for the guy the other day. Blown up in a little temple, in a little Baptist temple. Tears ran down my eyes. Because my girls, I got nine, were blown up. When they were blown up. When they were blown up, mine, it were my children blew up. How could I sit in my living room in New York and felt comfortable knowing? You see, people don't want me to feel if you kill one European Jew in Ushkush, Because he is Jewish. The whole white Jewish community get in arms. But if you kill umpteen black, I am not supposed to say anything, otherwise I'm being racist. You see, they didn't tell you that there are black people who are Jews. So you say, blacks and Jews are going to have a conference. Couldn't be black Jews too? Oh, you never heard of the Falashas, the Ethiopian Jews. I'm one. I know that I don't look Jewish, but they don't look Jewish to me either. <laughs> but this, you see, is rough stuff. Because I'm dealing with things that you are not supposed to hear or deal with. Tomorrow you're going to... There's going to be a question and answer period, and all who don't agree with it could ask their question and make their comment. They shouldn't wait till tomorrow when I'm gone and sneakily run and tell you, I knew better. They are called the Palashas, But you didn't hear anyone saying anything in America when the Italian fascists were exterminating the Palashas. Nobody said anything. And it was the forerunner to what Hitler was to come and do next. But there was no rallying cry about my people. We were five million when Hitler arrived, I mean uh, Mussolini arrived. With the help of the Pope, Martin uh, 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 Pius eleventh, uh, I think it was, when the Italians left, we were 50,000. But no cry. Isn't it strange that when you write and when you are taught, you hear only about a Holocaust. A. One. What happened to your Holocaust that's still going on? What happened to the 50 million Africans, your brothers and sisters, that were murdered in Munamatata, now called South Africa, under Cecil John Rhodes? Do you know that black folks take scholarship in honor of John Rhodes, Cecil John Rhodes? Because you don't know. Nobody told you who Rhodes was. Rhodes made Hitler look like a playboy. You don't know about the Holocaust with, Dr. John, with um, Frederick Lugard and Dr. Jemison in what is today called Nigeria with Goldie and others when they took over the colony. You don't know about the Holocaust with Leopold II, the Vanderbilt's and the Pewes and the, and the others, the Rockefellers and so forth when they took over what was called Congo in those days and changed it to the Congo Free State. How many millions? Twenty-two million were exterminated. African women pregnant were placed in the middle of roads and three limbs put to both arms and then cut with the horses and split them open and the babies fell out as punishment that the men would see it. These are records. They themselves wrote, not realizing that Africans will come later to revenge these causes. But that isn't mentioned as Holocaust in any of your textbooks. Because it was only Africans being exterminated. I don't expect enemies to say this, but I do expect that when you write, and when you do your research, that you use the appropriate term, genocide, Holocaust, wherever it applies. In Tasmania, an island of Australia, every last African was murdered. There isn't one left. And you don't call it a Holocaust. You don't cry about it. You don't get up any day complaining. Nobody comes to you and asks you, but you cry for everybody else's Holocaust because you weren't taught that these people had anything at all to do with you. You forget that the slave boat did not come from Africa to America. It came from Africa to the Caribbeans, from the Caribbeans to America. The first boat that brought Africans here were not from Africa, but from Barbados. The first that came to Virginia in 1619 in Jamestown, you weren't told that there's any connection. As a matter of fact, the people from Alabama don't feel anything for the people of New Jersey. And the people of New Jersey don't feel anything for the people of Mississippi, etc., etc. We have not been taught that way. Thus, we couldn't even have with Jesse an African drive for an African people. In the midst of the drive, we have to change to rainbow. And you stood here, and got on your knees and begged for a holiday for Dr. King. You disgraced Dr. King. The enemy never award his foe with a holiday. The Italians got a day for a man that got lost, couldn't find his way. Columbus Day, they didn't go to anybody for the holiday. The Irish got a day for a man that killed snakes in Ireland. They didn't go to anybody for holiday. The Poles got a day for Pulaski. They didn't go and beg a day. Why didn't you take a day? You had to go beg for even a day to worship a great man. But you failed to understand that King did not operate alone. There was a man at the same time named Malcolm X. somebody told you that Malcolm X preached violence. How the hell you think you got here? By non-violence? How you think you got lynched? And how you think King died? By a bullet like Malcolm X. Malcolm left a woman named Betty with six daughters, two in her stomach when he died. They've never seen their dad king left a woman with three children too. What is it about one struggling for you that isn't about the other struggling for you? You let people decide for you who fights for you. What made Malcolm less a fighter for you than king? They both died fighting in the best way they knew for their people. None worse or none better than the other. But worst of all, you have not one day cried for Rosa Parks. That sister started all. Just give them black sisters a chance. They will show us brothers the way. Because, you see, they know that when the Africans were built, made their first calendar in 10,000 B.C., 10,000 B.C., called the Stellar Calendar, and revised that in 4100 B.C., the so-called pre-dynastic era. Where was Greece? Where was Etrusca that later became Rome? They don't tell you about this, do they? They don't tell you anything about this aspect of the African. Because it's not slavery. It doesn't deal with Amos and Andy. It doesn't deal with roots and novels. Which they got you to believe had something to do with your history. They couldn't do this because
2: The Miseducation of the Negro is a book written by doctor Carter G. Woodson and he says and points out in that book that the European destruction of African civilization was done under the guise of saving souls. So we ask the rhetorical question must one be dehumanized before one's soul is saved? In retrospect, we had allowed someone else to define our reality. Dr. Joseph Ben-Johakam, an e- e- Egyptologist who taught at Cornell University for over 15 years, showed us the way. Yoruba Priestess Ilyanla Vansant says, your soul is saved when you accept that the Spirit of God lives in you. She specifically says, and we play that audio on this program often, when you can look at yourself, accept who and what you are, and love yourself unconditionally, your soul is saved, your spirit is empowered. Dr. Ben's African origins of the major Western religions, was one of the vehicles I used on my journey through the empowerment of our spirit. He is now an honored and beloved ancestor, Ase. Thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground. Please join us next Saturday, 10 p.m., and I'll be listening... ...a
0: few places.
2: And in all of these places that I've been,
4: I never once received an education in the history of African people. Yet I thought that I've educated myself down through those period of time. And it is because of that self-education in those things which meant most to me as an African person that I decided at no time would I stand still in these halls of indoctrination and not rebel with the necessary documentation of the lies that are being taught in these halls. And so I may be saying things that may hurt many of you, if not most of you, because some of the lies have
2: become your dear
4: frame of reference.
2: Dr. Ben, a scholar giant, now a beloved ancestor. Thank you for being with us here at Our Common Ground tonight. We want to thank Dr. Wilman Leon for joining us and we want to thank you our listeners for your support and loyalty. Make sure you're here with us each Saturday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Time, speaking truth to power and ourselves.
5: Looking for a fire.
1: The rivers of my father